The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And when man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had, and he bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went, sold everything that he had, and he bought that pearl. Jesus was a great teacher, and one of the main reasons he was such a great teacher is because he was such a good storyteller. Such a good storyteller. You know, a lot of the best lessons that we hear uh, in our lives um, are like these two parables um, from Matthew chapter 13, the third major teaching section of Matthew. The best lessons have good stories in them. They're kind of like uh, chewing gum that someone has spat out on the sidewalk. Uh, They're sticky and they travel with you. And, uh, you know, my wife and I had our uh, first child back in February. It had been a long time since I'd read simple uh, children's stories, probably 20 years since I'd read a board book. But it's been fun to rediscover some of these stories that were a part of my childhood, probably a part of yours, um, because a couple of my favorites that I want to share with you this morning are over 50 years old, so uh, no, no spoiler alerts because it's, it's so old, you've probably heard it. Uh, the first one is The Very Hungry Caterpillar. Anybody know this story? The Very Hungry Caterpillar by Eric Carle passed away earlier this year. Um, so this is, there's a caterpillar, and he goes throughout the week, eats pretty healthy, but he gets to the end of the week, and he has like a slice of Swiss cheese and a whole salami and a pickle, kind of like the, the sampler platter at Central Barbecue. Uh, and he has a, a stomach ache at the end, and so he goes and eats one nice green leaf. Uh, it's funny how that phrase has stuck with me now whenever I've eaten poorly and I have a stomach ache. I think, I need one nice green leaf, then I'll feel better and become a beautiful butterfly or whatever the case may be. Um, another good one is Good Night Moon. Good Night Moon. Anybody like Good Night Moon? Um, last week, Josh talked about rest. Uh, and if rest with Jesus is here and uh, Netflix binge is here in terms of getting rest, Good Night Moon's got to be like right here. Um, we read this story to Joanna at bedtime. Uh, and, and the last line, good night stars, good night air, good night noises everywhere. It's 7 p.m. and I look at Marina and I say, I'm ready for bed too. Let's go. Um, good stories, good stories that, that stick with you. And they're simple stories, but Jesus knew the power of simple stories, and that's why he taught using parables, uh, like these two about the treasure and the pearl in Matthew chapter 13. He told stories because stories stick. Uh, and this morning, uh, whether you're with us in person or online, I want nothing more to come from my message than for these stories, uh, the teaching of Jesus in these two parables, to stick with you as you go throughout your week. But as Josh has done in this series, uh, so far in this series, I want to uh, draw out from these two parables a truth, a grace, and a reach. The truth that we see in these two parables is that there is nothing greater than the kingdom of heaven. There is nothing greater than the kingdom of heaven. Both of these stories involve an object of immense value, a treasure and a pearl that when the man and the merchant find them, they sell everything that they have to obtain this one item of great value. And if the kingdom of heaven is like these two stories, then we know that there can be nothing better to possess the kingdom, or even better, to be possessed, to become a part of it, be a part of the kingdom ourselves. Uh, when we think of kingdoms, we tend to think of kingdoms as places, as, as places. Uh, so, for example, if you were to uh, drive west, go across a bridge, you would go from the kingdom of Tennessee into the kingdom of Arkansas. Or if you drive south, and you go across some imaginary line somewhere, you go from the kingdom of Tennessee to the kingdom of Mississippi. We think about kingdoms in terms of place. Even when we think about the kingdom of heaven, we tend to think of it as a place, 
up there. And that part of what we're called to do as followers of Jesus is to bring the kingdom from up there and expand its borders to down here so that others can be a part of the kingdom. But there's another way for us to think about a kingdom in terms of dominion or reign or rule. And in that sense, a kingdom cannot be limited by time or space. A kingdom simply means all of those who submit their lives to the authority or the lordship of the king or queen of that kingdom. And when Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven in these two parables and others like it, uh, he's talking about kingdom in that sense because he tells these parables in first century Palestine, which at the time was part of the Roman Empire within Roman borders, and yet anyone who heard his invitation could submit their life to him and become a part of the kingdom of heaven. So when we say that there is nothing greater than the kingdom of heaven, we mean it in both of these ways. Uh, We mean that no earthly kingdom's borders, whether it's Rome or Babylon or even the United States, can stand against the borders of the kingdom of heaven. And secondly, it means that there is nothing greater than the kingdom of heaven. There can be nothing greater than for us to become a part of that kingdom, than for us to submit our lives to the lordship of Jesus. There is nothing greater than the kingdom of heaven. The grace this morning is that if you're listening, you've found what you're looking for. You have found the kingdom in the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news that we're invited to be a part of this kingdom. But you can hear that invitation without really hearing it. Now, you can hear the words of Jesus, you can hear the invitation, but it, it, it may not sink in. And it has to uh, happen that this invitation, you recognize that it's for you. That the good news is not just good news generally, but good news for you and your life, and that you're the one who is invited to be a part of this kingdom. It has to click, as we like to say. Uh, Pre-algebra in seventh grade was the bane of my and my mother's existence for that whole year, Um, because I simply could not learn the math from from my teacher that year for whatever reason, and so every night at the kitchen table, it was a struggle between me, my mom, and that pre-algebra textbook with the green spine and the roller coaster on the front, I looked up pictures of the textbook just to see if I remembered it correctly and um, had some pretty terrible flashbacks to those evenings at home. Um, It was hard. For whatever reason, I I just didn't get it in class. And then my mom would explain it three or four times. I didn't get it the first few times. But then at some point, the message, uh, the the math would just click and I would understand how to solve those problems. Maybe you've had a a similar experience with math or riding a bike or, or who knows what it is. But there are certain things in life that just have to click. And in a similar similar way, good news only becomes good news when you hear it as good news for you. And Jesus knew this. This is part of why he teaches in parables. And, And at the end of parables like these, he would often say, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. He knew that it would be possible for people to hear the invitation but not really get it, but not really see that it was an invitation for him. But the grace of the message of the kingdom was always there for those who were looking. And that's the subtle difference between these two parables. In the first one, the kingdom of heaven is like the treasure. In the second one, the kingdom of heaven is like the merchant who was looking for fine pearls, the one who was looking for the kingdom. As Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, and as we just sang a few moments ago, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. The grace this morning is that if you're looking for an invitation to the kingdom of heaven, you have found it in the good news 
of Jesus Christ. So what's the reach? What do these two parables call us to do in our lives today? I think it's twofold. The first thing that I think uh, these parables call us to do is that they call us to check our passion. To check our passion. Uh, This week I was struck uh, not so much by the man's willingness in the first story to sell all that he had. I'd heard that before. It's familiar. Um, But that he did so with joy. If you're like me and you consider yourself in that same situation, the same opportunity to sell everything you've got for one treasure, uh, maybe you would do it. Maybe you would be like me and take a long time to think about it and contemplate it. But then when you went to actually sell everything, it probably wouldn't be with joy. It would be with reluctance or doubt, fear for the future, not sure if you're making the right decision by going all in. But if these parables are true, if there really isn't anything greater than the kingdom of heaven, then it tells us there can be nothing better, um, that it is good news, and that when we find it, our response should be one of joy. If you have been baptized into the kingdom of heaven, I want you to think back to the moment that you were lowered into the water and that you came up. It's probably a moment of great joy for you to recognize what you had been given, what you were becoming a part of. I think these parables call us to ask questions like, is our joy the same now as it was then? Has it waned since then? Has familiarity with the kingdom of heaven bred contempt in my heart for the way that Jesus calls me to live as a result of it? These parables call us to ask questions like this. They call us to check our passion. And so if you have found the kingdom of heaven this morning, may your heart be filled with joy. May be passionate about being a part of that kingdom. The second reach is to check our commitment, to check our commitment. Both characters in these parables are all in. They find something of great value, and then they commit to it with everything that they have. Uh, During the Crusades of the medieval period, the soldiers who uh, would go on these military campaigns, these holy wars, if there really is such a thing, uh, were required to be baptized before they could go into battle. Uh, And legend has it that they would go down to the water and that as they were being baptized and they were immersed into the river, they would keep one hand from the water's surface. They would keep it dry, uh, sometimes even holding their sword in their hand. Because it was to say that Jesus had lordship over everything but this. Everything but this sword. Jesus has say over my life, but he doesn't have say over who I might kill or what I might need to do on the battlefield. The commitment was not complete. It was not all in. I don't know if this legend is true or not, but I think it's a great image for us and uh, when it comes to our commitment to Jesus because I think we often hold things out from the water. We try to keep things away from the lordship of Jesus. We can imagine that we hold our wallets. I think these parables call us to think about our money. Do we say, Jesus, you can have say over everything in my life but the way that I spend my money? Or maybe uh, our cell phones or the TV remote. Uh, Jesus, you can have lordship over everything in my life, but the friends that I choose to keep uh, and the opinions that I choose to hold and and the way that I go about sharing those things with others online. Or maybe you uh, could say that you hold your your watch out from the water and say, Jesus, you can have everything but my free time. That is for me to choose to do with it what I want to do. These parables call us to check our passion and to check our commitment. If you have uh, communion this morning, I want you to go ahead and hold it in your hand. Uh, If you haven't gotten it, it's on tables in the lobby. If you're online, I hope you have the elements with you. 
And I just want to take a second uh, as we enter into this time of communion with God uh, to recognize the great value of what we hold in our hand. It's of infinite value, uh, just like that treasure and pearl and even, even more. And I think often we, we forget to recognize the value of what's been given to us. I know these two characters in these parables sell everything that they have. Uh, this, of infinite value, was given to us. The body and blood of Christ of immense value were given to us freely to invite us into the kingdom, which then calls us to give our soul, our life, and our all. I'm going to pray for the bread and the cup in just a second, but as I said earlier, I don't want my words to stick as much as I want the words of Jesus to stick. Uh, so as we uh, enter into this time of communion, I'm going to read these parables again, and then I'll pray. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything that he had and bought it. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we're grateful this morning for the body and blood of Jesus. God of infinite value uh, that were given up for us freely on the cross. And God, we um, celebrate your kingdom this morning. We celebrate being a part of it. And God, I pray that um, because of what we've been given, we would be passionate about Jesus. We'd be committed wholly to Jesus. God, we thank you. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.